Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord one more time. Thank God for his, his grace and his mercy. The psalmist says, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Oh, glory be to God. He is not slack, but he is able to deliver us and keep us. Amen. Amen. May, may you join me as we turn to the letter of Romans. We're going to look at the second chapter on this morning. I'm going to uh, read uh, in our hearing verses 1 to 4, and then again verses 12 through 16. I'm coming from the New Living uh, Translation. As we're turning to that, if you can help me announce this to your neighbor, tell him no excuses. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. As we, as we are turning there, we're going to look in this second chapter of this letter Paul writes to the Romans and to, to look into further of his argument how we are called to live a holy life unto a holy God. Do you know that we serve a holy God? Amen. And he calls us to be holy as he is holy. Amen. So part of that process ended that we need to walk in obedience to our God and let everybody else be, be pleased by how we obey him as they watch us in obedience to him. Amen? Amen. Amen. As we are turning there, if you're not there, say, hold on. Amen. If you're there, say, let us begin. Let us begin. I hope we arrive to the same conclusion together. You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Or one thing is to cause you to lead into repentance? Verse 12, when the Gentiles sin, they will be destroyed, even though they never had God's written law. And the Jews who do have God's law will be judged by the law. When they fail to obey it, for merely listening to the law does not make us right with God. It is obeying the law that makes us right in his sight. Even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts. For their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. And this is the message I proclaim, that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. Praise God for his word. You may be seated. No excuses. In my fraternity, they have a poem that they gave for excuses. They say, excuses are tools of incompetence used to build monuments of nothingness. Those who specialize in them seldom accomplish anything. 
and they gave that to us and made sure that when they gave you a task, you better not come back with an excuse. Because if you came back with an excuse, you would have to say that poem. What are excuses? Excuses are tools of incompetence. <laughs> Used to be a monuments of nothingness. Those who specialize in them seldom accomplish anything. When someone is given an excuse, it's oftentimes used to give on a reason for a job they should have gotten done, but they did not get done. I, I, I've come to the conclusion and realized that it was, it was um, a, a groundbreaking discovery for me. It was groundbreaking. I, I never thought about it like this before in my life. And it, and it came to me like this. It came to me, this wild me. It came to me that everybody has 24 hours. It was groundbreaking to me. I don't know about you, but everybody has 24 hours. So how is it that everybody else can get the job done? But I, I somehow could not get the job done. Pointing out that everybody had to know how to manage their time, but everybody can give up an excuse. Well, uh, I got up late. Well, why'd you get up late? I went to bed late. Everybody will have an excuse for, get, for not getting a job done. But yet, if we look at it, everybody has 24 hours. And so, if, if somebody has 24 hours, gets their job done, how is it that we can't get our job done? And so, the same situation we get into of using excuses, are, are we building incompetence or are we building nothing? Are we not truly, truly being obedient and following out the task that is at hand? Paul is pointing out to the Jews that he's writing to in Rome that you know the law, you know what is right, you know what, how you should do right, so what's your excuse? You see, and you know how excuse begins, you, you see, see what happened was, or you try to give another example. Oh, that was different. But this came up. But we got to look into it that everybody is dealing the same cause that has life. And when you're dealing this life hand, you got to know how to handle what's in your hand. Amen. And the situation comes into place that you know when you did wrong and you don't need nobody else to tell you. Am I right about it? That, that's, why, that's why it's easier just to come to somebody and talk to them, not at them. Because you can get more to it by talking to them because they already know they did wrong. So you come out to them so you know you was wrong. You're doing it. You're like, yeah, and? They already turned you out because I, I know I'm wrong. You're going to pull it out I'm wrong. I don't care what you got to say anymore. And so Paul, look how Paul reaches them. He, he first opened up in the first chapter saying, hey, hey, God's evidence is all around us, and we know what is true. You know what is true. You claim about it. You, 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 you argue about it. So what's your excuse? Because you are judging others, but yet you're doing the same thing. We get high and mighty watching the news say, how dare somebody do such a thing? How, how dare somebody even think those thoughts or get that place? But if you get true to yourself, there's a time when you did the same thing. Some of us, some of us get so high and mighty, we act like we've never sinned, and we don't even know what sin looks like. But if the truth comes out of us, we will be able to confess and to profess that God is real and say, yes, this is where I used to be. This is who I used to be. But thank God that he changed me. Anybody been changed by the Lord today? And when you've been changed by the Lord, it's amazing how your communication changed, your attitude changed, your perception changed. 
But yet, if you don't understand the change, you, you might find out something that you will face God's judgment. Because you see, it says here that do you not see that God's kindness, His grace is giving us time to get it right? Tell your neighbor, God's giving you time to get it right. Because the time is now. Because the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us that the day is now for us to work while it's still day. Because the night's coming when no man can work. We don't know the day nor the hour when he's going to come back. But he's coming back, y'all. And there's some people out there who do not know the truth because we have hidden the truth from them. How is that? We tell them to go to church and love the Lord, but we're lying, we're gambling, we're stealing, we're fornicating just like them. So why should I go up in the church when you're doing the same thing in the church I'm doing out in the street? At least when I walk out in the street, people are real because you know how people are real on the streets, right? They don't fake it. They don't be fun, but people walk up in the church. Oh, he's so good to me. I love the Lord. But we go out on the street going, boy, give my money, I'll knock you out. Ready to, to shift into another area. We're living a lot. We're condemning other people and talking bad about them. We shake our heads when we hear their testimony. Say, how dare they do such a thing? But not realizing that you need to get yourself in order. Because you're judging them, but what's your excuse? Because the same way you are judging them, watch out, you will be judged. Jesus tells us that judge not as ye shall be judged. And we, we hear when Murray gave his story saying this, how can you tell somebody about the dust in their eye when you got a plank in your eye? I try to give it to the same enduring translation. How are you going to tell somebody about a dust speck when you got a forest? All up in your eye. And we got to look at it and say, we, we're looking at somebody else who's small. Well, your problem is bigger. Why is your problem bigger? Because it's dealing with you. But yet, we always minimize ours, don't we? Oh, mine wasn't as bad as yours, right? We, we can always compare ours to make it less than somebody else. So, well, my lie wasn't as bad as your lie because your lie did this, your lie did that. All we need to realize and find this out, that the same lie you told Christ did die for that. We need to come to the reality and realizing this. What's my excuse? Why do I have always a reason why I fall in sin? When we have been born again, we should no longer be living in sin. So what's the excuse? Because if we do not catch on to it, we're going to face his wrath. Y'all see that there? His wrath will come upon us. And the reason why the wrath comes upon us is because some of us need to be careful that we have not become so desensitized that now our hearts have become hardened to those same sins that you once were appalled and afraid of that you have become so desensitized and become so comfortable with that you can do it not even bad or not. How we can do it not even feel guilty anymore because our hearts have become... If you look closely in Romans, it says how God gave them over to depraved minds. Reprobate minds. He let them go and they were pleased living in the satisfaction of sin. It's a sad state when we're living in the satisfaction of sin and we don't even have remorse. He, he says, you see God's kindness. You not see that God's kindness is leading us into repentance? That's the point of it that he's wanting to give us enough time to get it right till you never get it right. He wants us to turn away. He's given us time to get it right. 
If you, if you look at some of those new uh, reality TV shows that have those obstacle courses, that people are running through those things and falling in the water, and we laugh at them right when they fall down and get hit. But the reason why they fall because they don't have time to get it right. They don't give them enough time to recapture their balance. If they get off balance, what? Something's coming to knock them down. But yet, catch this, catch this. God sees when we get off balance. He says, I'm going to give you some time to get it right. We sang this song, I, uh, uh, Love Lifted Me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Then my master heard what? So we had time. We were falling. We are sinking. But God gave us time to cry out so he could lift us up. Isn't that good news? Do you see, do you see that God is letting us know that you don't have to live a life full of excuses, that you can remove the excuses from your life and you can get into, but this happened, but you can start having this, but God. A lot of people need to move because a lot of it has, but this, you know, I was going to go to God, but this happened. I, I, I was going to turn my life over to God, but this happened. I, I was on my way to church, but this happened. But someone's going to realize that I went to the doctor, but God. I, I was went to the bank, but God. Somebody closed the door on me on this way, but God. And when you start seeing, you can see that, but God answered my prayer. But God opened up a door, but God delivered me. But when we get back to the excuses, was telling God that you're not strong enough, you're not good enough, I can do it by myself, and when I mess up, it's my fault, but I can fix it. But that's a lie. Because we see truly here what it says to us. When you look at, at the verse 14, it talks about how our conscience speaks to us. Paul writes to the Hellenistic Jews, you understand the conscience, and, and I want you to grab this, grab this closely here, that your conscience only confirms your actions. Your conscience only confirms your actions. You know you did wrong, your conscience reminds you. Somebody asks you the question, they can see it in your face because your conscience holds up your tongue. You, you are ready to lie, but you can't lie because you don't want to lie. And so you pause and they say, well, something's wrong, huh? You know how little kids, right, put their heads down because they don't want to lie to your face? What happened? Because they know they're wrong, but they don't want to admit they're wrong. Because their heart's already cast it, cast it. If you look closely, right, a child does not know how to read or write, oftentimes at the age when they commit most of their wrongs, but yet they know they did wrong. Why? Because their heart has already told. The Bible says to us that, that those who don't know the law are judged by what they do know. Watch out somebody. This woke me up because sometimes we get called up and say, well, what about so-and-so that may never hear the gospel? Well, they may never hear the gospel, but yet God has put enough evidence all around them that they know right from wrong. And so when you know it's wrong to punch somebody in the face, you ought to stop doing it. Am I right about it? And, and so when you know what's right, we ought to obey what is right. Catch this, catch this, because if, we're, if we can't even govern ourselves, we are now hurting the witness for somebody else. It goes on to say that because of us, God's very name is being blasphemed. You look down, uh, I believe it's down in verse 20, uh, uh, 27, or I'm sorry, 24. It says, no wonder the scriptures say the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. 
because we are being terrible witnesses. We say we love the Lord and we're serving him, but they're watching our lives. Why is it that the divorce rate is the same rate in the world as it is in the church? So they're going to say, why should I get married? It's just a sheet of paper. But yet, we got to inform them that it's not a sheet of paper. It's vows, sacred vows, holy vows that we take before God and the, and the spouse and before witnesses. It's not just a sheet of paper. We point out to them and say, well, why should I get married? Well, I can just live with that person. It's not just living with that person that's making the marriage, but it's the commitment that you won't be nobody with nobody but you forsake all others. But yet, when people are not willing to make that commitment, they find a cop-out and they say, well, we'll just stay together and try it out. And then look what's happening. There's so many of us living with each other and just trying to try it out and wondering and wondering why we have so many children outside of wedlock who don't know their mothers, who don't know their fathers, who are running away, living in broken households because there's a lack of commitment. You see how God put it together, y'all? God, God told Adam it's not good for man to be alone, so he created a help me, someone suitable for him to raise up the children, to set the mold. But the enemy's having his way, y'all. The enemy's trying to get in and have us to live just like the world, and then we're going to have our excuse. Well, the reason why it's cheaper this way, the reason why, because we, we, we feel like we don't need a sheet of paper. But the problem is we're making up excuses. And what are you doing? You look clearly in the text. It says we're storing up wrath for ourselves. That woke me up about the storing the wrath part. Catch this, catch this. I can store treasures in heaven or I can store wrath. Which one you want? We used to seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And we used to store our treasures up there where the, where the thief cannot rob nor the moth can destroy. But yet if we are, are rebelling against our God, and yet he is, check this, check this out, check this out, check this out. He is not punishing us accordingly, but giving us grace and mercy. But yet if we are continuing going to walk in an object of, in, 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 in a total mind against God, we are storing up wrath for ourselves. You know how a water dam works, right? That the dam backs up the water, and the water presses against the dam, and it builds up energy. And if that dam does burst, how a force of water will come forth. Imagine how God's wrath is going to pour out. We see the story about Sodom and Gomorrah. Just that little city licked it up with fire. We see what he did against the whole earth with raining for 40 days and 40 nights. You see that God's wrath is a terrible, terrible thing. But look, just as great as his wrath is, greater is his love. That perfect love casts out all fear. That love covers a multitude of sins. And so it's pointing out to us that we need to truly, truly, truly know his law. Know his law. Know his law. For the just live by faith. And when we know his law, we will do his law. Because Paul points out that he's not looking for hearers. He's looking for doers. Come on, somebody. Because we know a lot of people that can quote the Bible but can't live the Bible. Or one pastor say that this woman says, not only do I read my Bible, but my Bible reads me. 
I like that because sometimes I know what she's talking about. When I'm reading my Bible, it's reading me. And it says that these will not inherit the kingdom of God. Gossipers, fornicators, liars, um, uh, uh, idolatries, lovers of money. I said, Lord, why you beat me up so bad? <laughs> because as I'm reading his word, it's reminding me how, how messed up my heart is. And Lord, how I need to get my heart right and stay before him. We need to be true to ourselves and realize that, Lord, there's issues in my life that, yes, I have been delivered from, but some things keep on trying to sneak in. And when we stop trying to judge other people and say, you need to get your life right, we need to say, hey, work with me as I get my life right. Because when we care for one another and pray for one another, it's easy for us to be accountable one to another. Because there's people watching us. We passed, uh, a deacon t- talked about how we was out evangelizing and a, and a person saying how at a young age they witnessing so much hypocrisy within the church that has scarred him. And we know for a fact that some people that we have hurt because of our bad witness, that for something we said or we did, that we pushed them away. And, and, you, and, 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 and some of you may not even maybe not, maybe not be able to acknowledge because you don't know it, but you did. Because somebody is always watching us. And they say, well, you love the Lord, then why do you do what you're doing? They're watching us. And they may do the same thing that we are doing. And just because we've been doing does not mean it's right. Paul says, do not let your good of be spoken of as evil, nor your evil spoken of as good. We can make excuses for everything that we do. Am I right about it? I can make an excuse for everything that I do. But it doesn't mean it's right. The best way I can put it to you this way as I, as I try to get to my seat, Joshua was, was, was sitting, you know, was praying with the, with the people. An angel came before him and he asked him, whose side are you on my enemy's side or my side? The angel said, neither, I'm on God's side. Y'all catch that? Too many times we can look on what's right or what's wrong, but forget, am I doing his will? Because God is not for what we, what we think is right or wrong, but for his will. Because cast this, it might shock you, but cast this, it might just be his will that his son die on the cross. Come on, somebody. Can this cup pass over me? But not my will be done, but thy will be done. Jesus says, Lord, I, I, I realize this pain's coming, but he says, that will be done. Come on, somebody. It might not be your will for your son to die, but God said, it got to work out for your favor. And so when we start looking at what God has done for us, that we should now forsake his grace, his patience with us, just for us to continue living in sin, thinking like everything's going to be all right, and giving excuses to how cute it is or how nice it is, but saying, God, I give my life over to you. I don't want my life to blaspheme your name. I don't want to be living in conflict with my conscience, but no, I want my mind, my conscience to be clear. Every morning I wake up, I can look myself in the mirror knowing everything's going to be all right. I can look to you and you can ask me a question. I ain't got a lie. I can tell you, yes, sir, the Lord's been good to me. Yes, I, I have done those things. Uh, and yes, I'm guilty of those things. But can I tell you one more thing? He set me free. And since he set me free, I don't have to talk about those things and give you an excuse. I can just say I was found not guilty. 
Yes, I do know I did commit all those crimes. Uh, yes, my rap sheet is long, but my God wiped my record clear. And since he's wiped it clear, no longer do I live in this sin sickness life, uh, but I walk in the obedience of the Spirit so I can proclaim his truth. That when the coming of the Lord comes, I have nothing to be ashamed of. But I can cry out, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. That I can look forward that in a twinkling of an eye, I shall be changed. That I'm going to take off this mortality and put on Immortality. I'm going to take off this corruption and put on this incorruptible body. And, and I like how he said that I don't know what we're going to be like, but we're going to be like him. In other words, I'm going to forever say hello and never goodbye. I'm not going to know death no more. As I saw, I'm not going to study war no more. But I'm going to know peace. I'm going to know joy. I'm going to know his everlasting love. Because no longer am I living in sin and making excuses for my wicked, ugly life. But no, I've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. So since we know this truth, stop trying to look it around and try to please man. But say, Lord, are you pleased? We need to look into and stop making up excuses for the way we live our lives and, and try to make it acceptable. Because I'm, I, I want you to grab this. Yes, yes, it's going to cost to live right for the Lord. Y'all quiet on me. If, if it costs Jesus' life to pay the debt for our sins, how can it not cost you? If it costs him to bear our griefs, our transgressions, to be separated from his own God, our Lord and our Savior, if he was separated from him and it cost him pain and suffering, how will it not cost you? But it won't cost you as much. And so to live a holy and a righteous life for the Lord may cost you to lose some friends, may cost you to, to, to lose some people that you thought was on your side, but you're going to gain this. You'll gain peace. You'll gain joy. You'll gain a clear conscience and a satisfaction that my God is on your side. And you will truly, truly be able to say, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And you'll be able to read your Bible with a clear heart, knowing how he's working on it. You won't be ashamed. You won't be upset. But you'll be excited that God is talking to your heart. The day you stop feeling remorse for your sins, the day you need to give with somebody else to help you out, because I'm telling you, it's a beautiful thing when God leads us to repentance, because that's for our benefit. It's for our benefit. It says here in my closes, do you not see? How wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you. Does this mean nothing to you? Can you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? God's kindness. Tell you, help, me, help me preach this thing. Tell your neighbor. God's kindness, God's kindness is to help you, to help you. Turn, from your sin. turn from your 
How many preachers they tell them God's kindness, God's kindness is, to is to help you turn from your sin. Turn from your sin. Let's turn to our God. Lord, we just come right now.